This is the Visual Developers Podcast with your hosts, Lacey Kessler, Matt Varghese, and Ben Parker. Interviews, no-code reviews, tutorials, and more, we're here to talk about all things no-code. everybody. Ben here with Visual Dev FM. We're back with another episode. And this time, I am joined by my co-hosts, as always, Lacey and Matt. Hello. Hello. And uh, this week, we're excited uh, to share uh, this episode with you. We did an interview with Mason Poe from Edgar Allen. And it's uh, it's going to be – it was a great conversation. We had a good time chatting with, with him. And we're going to get there, jump into all of that agency life, no-code talk, talk about storytelling, so many good things. But before we get there, um, as always, we're going to start with what's new in no-code. Um, so Webflow. Webflow is bringing back quarterly updates with Vlad. Uh, something that they we used to do um, every quarter. You could kind of chat with Vlad. This is a community update. And so it's happening on April 14th. Uh, and there's a link in the show notes if you want to go register for this event so you can hang out and watch live. Um, and so would love for you to go check that out. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, also, a Global Open House is coming up organized by Webflow Meetup Chapter Leaders. So there's a site here. But um, it was it was organized uh, by different chapter leaders, and uh, the tweet that you want to hit in um, in the the show notes link in the show notes is from Raymar, who uh, from FinSuite, who was talking about that. So definitely worth checking out if you're a Webflow community uh, person, you want to jump into to that conversation and check out. They've got some awesome speakers, a lot of different people joining. So definitely definitely worth checking out. Link in the show notes to go sign up for that. Adalo. Lacey just put Adalo in the show notes. There is no description. I well, don't know what this is. Everything in our show notes has like, it's like timestamp and then like the description, but this just says Adalo. No context. Lacey? Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I am. Wait, do you not hear my sound effects? No. <laughs> not a. I'm just playing him for myself. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. <laughs> I am really glad to be back with all of you. I've missed you, everyone but Matt. Um, I had no doll news. I just get tired of seeing Webflow go first all the time. And so I thought, hey, Adalo. And so that's all I've got. Um, let, let the record show that Lacey tried to slyly put Adalo at the top of the show notes. And Ben was like, who moved Adalo up here? So and it was the funniest thing ever. So I think that was so savage. And it was, I, it was I no love, objection to talking about Adalo or even what order. It was like, why does it just say Adalo? Like, <laughs> there's no content. There's nothing that goes with it. It just said a dollar. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, don't even. I'm real partial on a dollar. So a dollar. We have to go through this every episode now. It's just like <laughs> it's might. a new thing. We might. We might. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, I have some uh, disturbing news. Uh, well, disturbing. I don't know. Weird news. Odd news. God's Odd news. Tired, man. Well, I'm just saying. We had this. Can we rewind? To the drama of last year and e-commerce and Elliot. Oh, God. I can't do that last year. <laughs> we literally have an episode of the end of Elliot. <laughs> it was the end of Elliot, and literally it was a launch day. They just ghosted everybody, didn't, like, nothing. And then it was like, it's going to release at Christmas, and then it was like, this doesn't exist anymore. And there were a whole bunch of things happening in the community. We stopped and talked about all of them and uh now link in the show notes elliot is back they say the site says we're back but then it says they're launching at christmas again so i'm super confused as to what is happening i find that very interesting considering they said last time they were launching at christmas too uh so i i i don't know what to think i'm just like still hurt over elliot never launching and i was its biggest fan uh, <laughs> but, look, I'm never gonna. 
I'm never going to hope for anyone to not do well. So like, obviously best of luck to Sergio and the team there, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting play. So I, I saw that he came out with Do- Dola pay, which Sergio told me he was uh, working on like a couple months back. Uh, and it's Dola pay is like essentially one click checkout. It's what fast has been working on. So I was like, okay, <laughs> the marketing strategy here is you say, uh, we're better than fast or whatever. Just like Elliot was better than Shopify and you throw a bunch of shade at, uh, sorry, you can hear the sirens. Um, you throw a bunch of shade at Shopify and, um, but I, so I was like, yeah, Dola's just going to throw shade at, fa- at fast. And then now Elliot's back. So I think it's going to be Dola throw shade at fast. Uh, and then Elliot throw shade at Shopify and it's the drama all over again. Though I got an email from, Elliot today and it says that this will be without drama there will be no drama in the Elliot relaunch we shall see I don't believe that Uh, see I said disturbing news because everybody there were a lot of people who were hyped about this and excited and then like there was customer information exposed like this was like a big deal a big deal and so to see it back and then just like back without it's sort of like Elliot, this is not a good analogy, but I'm going to go with it. It's like Elliot stole your lunch money and then ran away to another school. And now they're back at the school and they're talking about what a friend they are and how they're not for bullying. And they're not acknowledging the fact that they stole your lunch money. And <laughs> this is a really like, interesting analogy. <laughs> like, what I'm saying is they broke some hearts and they're not acknowledging it. Yes, like, it, just yes. to say we're back, it's such a. And I think. Rightfully so. We'll probably have some low trust here with like, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be no drama. Yeah. We're going to launch at Christmas. It's kind of like, okay, we'll see. Um, because I'm, I'm definitely curious about how this, and then I guess my other question, um, and Matt, maybe you know the answer to this. Is it Sergio? Is it the other founders? Who's actually behind it? At first I thought it might even be a prank when I saw the website. I was like, this is real. Um, I believe curious about all that. I believe it is Sergio tweeted yesterday. And I think he said that he's working on Dola pay and Elliot it's him. And I think uh, three guys from Nigeria. And so um, I think they're the engineering team and Sergio, as I understand it, knows how to code too. And so he's probably just leading the engineering efforts there as well. Um, So yeah, it is Sergio. I don't know. I'm really, really curious to know how everything went down because there's still so many unanswered questions like weren't there investors didn't people lose money like what happened to the co-founders like yes there yes. so many unanswered questions to just like come out three months later and be like hey we're back just like trust us uh let us give us your stripe credentials let us see everything actually no they're not going to be using stripe are they because they're they're anti well actually i think I don't think they're anti-Stripe. I think they're anti-Shopify. So, uh, yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm as curious as you are. I just, I'm for everybody. I hope that they're successful. I hope that this turns out really well, right? But, like, just looking at what happened in the past, I'm really curious about how this goes forward. So, uh, speaking of, I'm going to reverse order some things here in the outline. Speaking of things that that did not go to well for people who were in early on something, um, Gumroad, did we did we see this? Gumroad did a thing, um, is how I have it in the show notes, which is they opened up for, uh, you know, they raised a million dollars at a hundred million valuation, um, and they allowed people to invest with the same terms as a little hundred dollars, no matter where you live or what your net worth is. There was a tweet um, from Nathan Barry. Link in the show notes. Go check it out. For anyone. Thinking of investing in Gumroad, this is his tweet. Today, you should know one thing. The team that built uh, that originally built Gumroad doesn't have equity. They lost it all when Sahil, who is the founder, and this is where he gets hot take, tanked the company. You can't claim to be a creator focused and not actually take care of creators. Uh, and there's a whole uh, bunch of information here. Uh, ended up having some conversations with some people. This seems to be pretty accurate that people who were originally there ended up losing equity uh, and but but we're you know we're being paid to do the job just just lost that piece so feel bad for them just feels i don't know weird 
Um, uh, either of you dive into any of this drama or was it just like me who was oh yeah like no i i saw it and was really kind of taken aback for a minute because it was just like oh wow like i followed um both uh ceos on twitter and big fans and then when i saw nathan's right nathan um when i saw his his tweet i was just like wow like that's that's really interesting and kind of different than how um you know the story was presented so um i don't have an opinion on it because i obviously was not involved but i just thought it was interesting and um if it's true um kind of bums me out like i don't know i i don't know i i I'm so torn because I'm such a big hand, fan of uh, Sahil. I, I just love what he's built. And I love, like, this, like, small team, bootstrap mentality, you know, things like that. And uh, he's made some interesting uh, mistakes along the way. I know he said some things last year that uh, got him in some hot water and things like that. I was kind of disappointed by how he handled uh, that. I don't think he ever responded. Um, correct me if... I'm wrong, but I, I did. Yeah. Did? No, really? yeah, I did. And then um, I think Barrett is his name, who's the COO or something of ConvertKit. They were going back and forth, and it was like, it wasn't super heated, but it was tense. So, can you send mm-hmm. me a link? Uh, I will. Well, and we'll have a link in the show notes too. Cool. That's perfect. Um, I thought it was, I don't know, I'm disappointed by like how everything played out as I saw it. And it's like, it's funny. There's someone that, uh, Lacey and I, I don't want to speak for Ben cause I don't think I've ever talked to Ben about this person. Lacey and I hate this person. And I saw them defending Sahil and I was just like, yeah, this is classic. just like, uh, capitalist tech bro. Like, like, yeah, just screw over like anyone that actually put in the, the work, uh, and like built the product because like that's capitalism. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm very like, pro like building a business and like becoming wildly successful and all that. But like, you should also take care of your people. And so like every person that I was just like, that I had low expectations for definitely showed me that I have low expectations for a reason. Anyone that came to, I think it's Hill's defense. Uh, I generally did not think highly of him before the fact, and I don't think highly of him after. Ends up being very telling, right? Like you're just like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just saw that. I know a lot of people might use Gumroad to sell things, and you might have an opinion about that uh, and about whether you would really want to use it. Um, so worth worth checking out, though. Link in the show notes to go check all of that. Um, moving on, Haymail. I don't know how many people use Haymail. I am a huge Haymail fan. Use it personally, um, and they just released this new feature. They're calling Hey World which lets you build a, you can blog straight from your email. So essentially what it allows you to do, you can compose an email, write it. And then when you hit send, it turns into a blog post. um, If you send to a specific address, right? And so if you're somebody who's looking to just kind of get your thoughts out there and you bounce back between all these platforms and how you're going to to post your thoughts might be a really, really great uh, opportunity. So link in the show notes, if you want to go check that out. Builder. Builder's been rolling out more, in, but they've been in beta, and they've been opening up to a larger pool of more users and sending out more invites. So if you, you know, if you have been someone who asked for early access, you might be getting uh, getting in now and getting to try out the tool. Would love to hear from you what your experience has been like. I've seen a lot more conversations on Twitter around Builder uh, from different no-code creators, and uh, it's been interesting. I love following along. It's been good. I- I should hop in here and go ahead and apologize to Mark and Cora because I did get an invite and um, they've sent me some messages about checking it out and hopping on with them. um, And I haven't been able to do that yet. So I will soon and I'm going to report back and let you know what I think, but I'm excited about it. I also have an invite waiting and I need to jump into, let's just go ahead and say right now, we're going to do a first reaction to builder. We'll do a whole episode yes, about it. Let's do it together. Uh, yes. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. Okay. Um, softer softer now lets you embed blocks on any site. So if you build a block 
on on software. You can now one click a button, get some code, turn around, and embed that into another platform. It's pretty cool. Like if you if you're using uh, different platforms or multiple sites, uh, pretty neat. Tally. Tally now lets you duplicate forms. So uh, Tally actually had we talked about this had the big day on Product Hunt, really cool launch. Um, and this is a really cool way for you to you know you create a form you want to you know have something similar just reuse it real quick. Now hit the duplicate button, get that, uh, modify what you need, and move on. Uh, so great work from their team. Link in the show notes if you want to go check that out. Uh, two two really big pieces of news that I just feel like. You know, Webflow had the announcement with their valuation and their new funding. Airtable is now worth $5.7 billion, kids, uh, and has a 500, has 500 million cash on hand. That was a Series E funding um, uh, round. And wow, uh, like we talk about the, the no-code space really just blowing up. Um, uh, that's pretty pretty incredible. And on top of that, Squarespace uh, raised uh, $300 million at a now staggering uh, $10 billion valuation. So uh, for those who thought maybe no code was going away, it's not going away. That's actually pretty phenomenal um, uh, to see. Directual, which is a pretty cool tool. It launched in February, but it looks really interesting. Um, And... Directual is uh, basically a backend tool to help you build uh, your your flows, uh, build an API, have backend logic, and kind of design. Um, you, it has some front-end design app interface tools, uh, but I don't know if anybody here is, has, is using it. And I don't, Matt, Lacey, I don't know if you've had a chance to give it a try. Uh, but it looks like a very interesting tool. If you haven't seen it, definitely go give it a shot. Log in. Let me know what you think. I actually plan on signing up this weekend and giving it a, a spin and seeing what it's like. Looks really cool. Really cool. Uh, Shane Mack tweeted a no-code hot take that uh, I don't know like if I'll agree with, but he basically said, I'm pretty convinced that if your company is 25 to 1,000 people, you should build all of your interner- internal tools and systems using no-code tools. And then shared a link to an article, no code, just a code doc, how Squared Away saves thousands, a 1,000 hours and 100K a year. Um, and it's a story about how they scaled their business using Coda. Um, Matt, I know you, you uh, sent me this link. Thoughts? I got this link this morning because my uh... – one of our client partners on my team uh, quote tweeted it and said, I think it's time to make the move to Coda because we are having the, this very long debate about, uh, you know, what's the future of our project management? Is it ClickUp? Is it Notion? Is it Coda? Is it a combination of two? Uh, not three, but definitely two. Uh, or are we moving all docs to ClickUp? Things like that. And so he shared this and like, I looked at, I looked at the document and it's really interesting uh, do I agree with the premise? Uh, maybe not, but it's a headline. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a catchy headline to get people to read and it got me to read. So, uh, do I fault Shane for it? No. Uh, I think he, he did probably what, uh, he wanted to do and that's getting me to read. And I, I do, I think that everything should be built on no code tools. No, but I think they're getting more powerful over time that we could get there. Just not right now. Okay. Lacey, you thoughts. Um, I have not read the article, but I can tell you that I don't really necessarily agree that if the premise is 25 to a thousand people, you should build your own internal tools. Um, Typically because especially smaller businesses usually push out their IT work because they don't have someone internal that can like handle a lot of this stuff. Um, And I just, I'm not a fan of like, here's what you should do if you fit into this bracket and here's why I'm right. Um, 25 to a thousand is a really wide range. Yeah. 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 That's like Um, a lot happens between 25 and a hundred. Imagine what happens between a hundred and a thousand. 
Right. Uh, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine that. Uh, I mean, Ben's been at Webflow since what you were in point number 80 and like now, now how many are at, at the company? If you can share it, like a lot, a lot. Yeah. And so I imagine that like from when I first met you, when you got hired there uh, to now, the company is like pretty different. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, I just, there are people who post on Slack and I'm like, I don't know. Them yeah. or what they do like right. I don't, you know yeah. like, well yeah. and then like it makes me think of um with Adalo, like we're within this range <laughs> and we don't have time to like build out our own tools although like there's some stuff that we build out for ourselves um and some stuff like i would love to build out for the company at large but um i don't know it just it was like kind of one of those things of like, eh, I'm not going to read this. <laughs> you will, you will find no bigger, no bigger fan of Coda than I. Um, I'm just going to say that. I love using no code tools, but people buy, like sometimes you need to buy software that helps you do the job so you can do the job and not build the software for you to do the job. Like that's just part of it. Also, I hate, I hate all, every, I don't like those. I, I, first of all, I hate rules. Second of all, I hate when people are just all encompassing in their statements. All companies who are X should do Y. No, every company is so incredibly different and they function so differently. I don't know. Tweets like this. Shane got what he wanted because I hit the ceiling and was like, WTF. Uh, Yeah, I'm talking about it. I think, but that's the thing. It's Twitter. Like, can we really blame him for the lack of nuance that the platform has? It's like, it's, it's a feature of the platform, not a, not uh, a bug. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's, it's hard to just encompass like, Hey, this is actually a shorting company. It's like, but also clearly that certain companies, AKA Burger King do not know how to use even the 280 characters that they were given to, even slightly make a smart decision. So I don't know. It's just an, it's an interesting, interesting debate. It is. I like it. Well, we'll move on. But uh, anyway, we'd love to hear everybody's thoughts here too. So tweet us about that. Um, ben Tossel tweeted that he hit Webflow CMS limits. Um, and FinSuite, this is why I mentioned this, replied, they're building a tool to solve this. Um Either of you seen this or played with this tool or had access or sneak peeks? Anybody want to give away any secrets on the podcast? I don't have any, unfortunately. I, I know nothing, but I it doesn't surprise me. In one of my conversations with uh, Joe a while back, he mentioned uh, Noble, but I, I hadn't seen it yet. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I, I don't know. One, what is Ben Tossel doing uh, that made him hit the CMS limits? <laughs> but two, I can't wait to see the tool. Uh, it should be interesting. Uh, that's great. Okay. I can't imagine how his designer runs with 10,000 items. I just, <laughs> I would not want to be there. Uh, uh, love it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to move straight on from that. Uh, Kevin. Uh, and I, Kevin, I might get your last name wrong here. Kevin, is it Hag? Hog? Anybody? Somebody? Bueller? Sorry, I was trying to find my uh, unmute button. Um, oh. I would say egg. How egg do we say hot hog, right? So yeah, I don't know. Awesome. Kevin, apologies Sorry, Kevin. for butchering your name. Uh, but Kevin has started Loco Noco. Which, if you check it out, it's loconoco.webflow.io, and it's a community web jam, web jam, web jam, web jam, where sites and apps are built from scratch in a weekend with little to no code. So you can go in here, uh, put in a theme suggestion of what maybe you would build in a weekend, your email, and I'm assuming that then invites go out, and it's kind of a weekend hackathon thing for no code people. So loconoco.webflow.io. Go check that out. The link in the show notes. I really, really like this website design. It's great. 
I thought it was it's really, really, really good. It's so simple for a single page site. And I've literally just been like during the call, even when we weren't talking about this, I've just been like playing with a little flashlight animation. <laughs> so it's really well done in my opinion. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Say, oh, I was just going to say, so this is like just to like be with other people and like crank through a weekend. It's not like, I thought it was like an agency at first, I guess when I read it. Um, but it says clearly a community got to work on yep. those skills. Yep. It's okay. Lacey will learn to read one day for the second time in this episode. Welcome to the conversation, Lacey. <laughs> You'll once you get to Mason's interview, you will totally catch that reference. Uh, you'll love it. You'll love well, it. I've been, you know, my brain has been elsewhere. I'm doing a lot of work on myself right now. So it's a little difficult for me to sometimes <laughs> bring it all in. Okay. No hate, no judgment. All hate, no judgment. All judgment. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that just happened. I wish everyone could just see what well, I see right now. I didn't, I mean, dang it, dang it. Gonna, <laughs> um, I was trying to get a screenshot before uh, you stopped doing that. So, uh, yeah, such is life. I guess I couldn't. Moving on uh, with the podcast before Matthew moving on. further. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Man, all Shut kinds of shit. My God. Woo. So well, with, with that hammer drop, we will end the no code roundup. And uh, thank you so much for, for listening. Uh, and I hope you stick around and listen to this interview with Mason. Uh, we really enjoyed getting to talk with him and in hearing from him. And in fact, we're going to try to bring him back on uh, for another episode of talk uh, even more. It's, and so hope you enjoy this and uh, we'll catch you all next time. Uh, today, we're so excited. We're joined by Mason Poe from Edgar Allen, and so excited to have Mason on the show and to come talk to us. Um, Mason, I have so many questions, but first, let's just start with uh, letting you introduce yourself to the audience, and also tell us a little bit about Edgar Allen. How did how did you how did that start? Yeah, well, first, yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I've been a longtime listener. It's kind of wild uh, kind of hearing you guys and seeing you, because uh, I typically listen to you while I'm on my run, and so, like, I'll be on my run and, like, kind of, like, deep in sort of, like, no-code, web flow thought, whatever, um, so it's it's really fun, really fun to be here, and uh, and also just thanks for everything that you guys do within the community, so uh, it, it, it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, and I think, like, for... For me, I mean, I, I guess I've been building stuff in the internet since about 97. Uh, I came up doing flash design and development, um, and I've worked in various agencies, things like that. Eight and a half years ago, I was fired from my last agency. I was, you know, kind of a group creative director uh, on a uh, sort of, I would, I would view it as a, a promotion scale that was like an escalator with no second floor. So I'd been promoted, 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 then it was like, ah you know, you fall off the other end. Um, but within that, I was able to learn a whole lot. Uh, I learned about pitching work. I learned about managing a team. I learned about running a PL, um, all of that sort of stuff. And at, at that time, I was really like, I didn't see anywhere else that excited me. And I, and I, I didn't see the agency that I wanted to go to. Um, so I just like, got open my laptop. Um, I had no savings. Uh, I turned down the severance and we had, uh, my wife was seven months pregnant. So uh, kind of an intense time, but, uh, but, but, but at the same time, I feel like sometimes, you know, you just have to sort of go for something. Um, and yeah, so I just started building this uh, bit by bit and, you know, with the main goal of, you know, just wanting to work with people I admire and um, and just having um, just great work and, and this idea, this sort of founding idea of like, let's just have great stories. Um, story is the most fundamental way in which we come to know the world. Um, I think that why I love technology, I feel like sometimes it can be kind of like a distraction from or in, and even an impediment to just the basic thing of like, how do we relate to one another? Um, how, what are the stories that we're telling to our kids, you know, when they're going to sleep and how they learn and how we hope to be remembered when we're gone. And so, um, that's really, that, that's the impetus of, of how we started Edgar Allen and, um, yeah, just, you know, block by block, um, you know, John Cole, Kendra Rainey, uh, Chesley Lowe. I mean, it's, it's people that I, I've been able to work with. Um, and as I said, really admire, uh, you know, and, and Kendra, I've known for 20 years, Ch 
uh, John I've known for 15, Chesley 15. Um, so really tight knit group. Uh, we're a team of 14 and yeah, so just having a lot of fun and, and, and doing good work. So I, this was going to be a podcast where I was going to interview Mason and we were going to talk about a lot of no code stuff. I'm pivoting, knowing you started in flash. We're just going to talk about action script <laughs> from here on out. And only old people are going to, older people are going to understand any of that who worked yeah. in flash. Uh, used to do a lot of that myself. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Hold on. Um, before, hold on. Can I jump in real quick yeah, before absolutely. you get into flash and all that? I, I, I just put this together. So, your agency's name is Edgar Allen, mm-hmm. and your last name is Poe. <laughs> that, that's hey, correct. did everyone else already have that together? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the conversation, Lacey. <laughs> yeah, you're not behind the curve here. Yeah. Well, you know, I think picking a name is really difficult. And I feel like there's so many, like, kind of agency names out there that are like whiz bang or whatever. And I just really wanted something that was more human, that was just, like, fundamentally more human. And uh, also growing up, everyone always asked me, they're like, are you related to Edgar Allen? Are you really? And so now I can say I am. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's really the, 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 the thesis is trying to be story first um, and really pushing that as like the core of, of what we're fundamentally doing. So I love this. There's actually a book that I'm a huge fan of by Robert McKee named Story. I reread it over and over and over again. I don't know if anybody else here has has given it a read, but I literally, mine's highlighted and underlined. I'm a huge story fan myself. And one of the things that I noticed, like, like I, I read your content. I, I, I keep up with Edgar Allen, right? Um, your blog has so much content about writing and content design. Yep. Um, can you talk about why the emphasis and why that's so important? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's like, Webflow projects don't fail because of no code. They fail because of no content. And uh, so <laughs> that's, that's what we've seen as a big crux to this. And, uh, you know, if I was to make an analogy here, no one, goes to the, no one goes to the museum to look at the picture frames. You go there for the pictures. And a lot of times, I mean, it's easy to be enamored by the tooling. It's easy to be enamored by, like, the design and the build. But from a customer standpoint, it's like, what's the right content for the right context for the right time, you know, and how to be able to start to put all of that together. Um, so that, that's, that's where we start. We spend a lot of time, um, you know, we first start when, from kind of like a brand strategy perspective, like what's the customer need? What are the jobs to be done? How should we be thinking about this? And then really let that guide the work. Uh, and then wherever we net out is like kind of what we're, what we're doing. And I love that approach. And the whole, I, I mean, I talk about it a lot. One of the things that people, I mean, people talk about how they, how they love Webflow and the things they love about it. But I mean, as someone who used to build custom WordPress themes, I would see people install a WordPress theme and it would have a, a call to action and it would have like this two column section and they wouldn't really have anything for there. So there's makeup content for it that they don't even need for their site just so they can fill it out because they liked the look. Yep. And I love that. I love that part about, about flipping it and going content first. So for people who are listening, you all have obviously done a lot of work on this, right? Like, and, and your posts about this are so great, by the way. Um, how, how do people listening here yep. who are working in the no code space, how do they get better at telling stories? Like, what, how can how can people improve there or, or get better at that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, there's there's so much to that, uh, right? I mean, there's there's a ton there. And if I was to back up, it's interesting because um, so we st- we started working in, in Webflow six years ago, uh, six and a half years ago, and um, I had, at the time uh, I was looking for I was tired of doing red lines. I was tired of like the sort of you know, the, the slog of, of moving from design into development. And I'd seen, uh, you know, this Webflow product, I'd seen another product, which was sort of like an AI, like we're going to build it all for you. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and I didn't yes. believe it. What was it? Um, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I yeah. can't remember it either, but they had the, uh, the lifetime price. Yeah. And it yeah, ended up doing them in, right? Like, yeah, yep. Um, but anyway, like, and, it, and it's funny, like when I, I saw Webflow and Macaw was out there, Muse, like a whole bunch of them. Um, but I didn't believe any of the marketing. And it wasn't until I saw a video 
from Vlad, uh, from actually Sergey talking about them, you know, how they didn't get into Y Combinator the first time um, that I was like, well, I really believe in this mission. And so even from like how we got into Webflow, it was that we believed in the story that they were talking about and it had nothing to do because the feature set wasn't there. <laughs> you know, it was like interactions one, there was no CMS, like, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Um, but I was like, wow, I really like their mission. I like who they are as people. And that's what we bought into. And I feel like, you know, as we think about storytelling, storytelling, the other thing I would say is that storytelling is nothing new um, as it relates to advertising. What we try to talk about is story having. And so storytelling is really sort of this one way, you know, like I'm going to project something onto you. And I think like where we're going is more, it's kind of like, you know, it's not a one to many, it's a many to many. And so it's like, how can you go in and have like a piece of insight from data, be able to come back and, you know, get an idea and then be able to put that out into the market and be able to go back and forth with your audience, which is what, you know, really Webflow allows for. Um, so that's how I think you start to have a better story. Uh, also, I think uh, one of my favorite books uh, on the topic is um, uh, On Writing by Stephen King. And if you just replaced uh, what he talked about with like design, um, whenever he says like, when you're writing, and if you just said, when you're writing software, when you're writing an application, uh, you know, there's so much there that you can kind of abstract. And, and we've, um, we've talked about that. And actually in some of our offsites, we'll, we, we've gone and used that as like a workshop tool. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's about putting in the time. It's about finding space. It's about finding kind of like, you know, uh, the ability to think it's about understanding, like, so Stephen King is very much like character driven and he really, you know, he doesn't know where the plot's going to go. Uh, and he really talks about that. Like, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't know where the shining was going to go when he wrote it. He just had this idea of the characters and like, what's the point of tension between the characters. And so for us, design is really about the sort of needs negotiation um, because there's always kind of like the negotiation between like the brand wants one thing, the business wants one thing. And then the technology is like, we're going to blow it all up, you know? So it's like, how do you go through and kind of identify that point of tension, that point of challenge, and then back out from there and say, okay, you know, we're going to go from here to here to here. On the, the note of books, you actually uh, answered a part of the question. I'd love to hear more about like, are there any books about storytelling or about business in general that you're that you're that are reading now or that you have read um, yeah. since you started your career that you think are very fundamental um, sure. and worthwhile for for me to read for anyone listening to this read? Um, yeah, yeah. I I should really. So I've got. Um, so I'm a notoriously bad speller and I'm a wildly dyslexic, and so reading is really hard for me. And it's one of the, also the reasons we have like four brilliant writers and anything that any email that I send out, I have them go and proofread it. Uh, like no joke, like basically any written communication, I have someone else look at. Um, but I listen to Audible a lot. And I also, I will, I will go and keep a book um, like next to, so that like a the printed book and then I'll listen to the Audible and then I'll go back in and highlight everything. Um, Stephen King's on writing is, is like probably got to be right up there. Um, there's an, another one, um, what is it? Um, the story of Pixar, uh, where they just talk about like how they, uh, they, they use that same exact, um, kind of methodology, which is like letting that story lead, uh, you know, how they're going to be going. Um, uh, the third one, and I would kind of approach this one with caution, maybe after you've read the other two, which is the story brand playbook. Um, and that one's good, but it's almost like, it has nothing to do with branding. It's really more about experience design. And like, if you were to have the TLDR of that, it's that um, all stories have made up of two things. There's a hero and a guide. And that as brands, they often think that they want to be the hero, but everyone wants to be their own hero. And so uh, as, as a, as a brand, really what you want to do is be, a, be the guide and you want to be the person that's going to help empower uh, your customer and so if you start to go through and look at it within that lens, and then they get into all this stuff like, you know, emotional and functional drivers and like, I'll go and spend that in different pitches and stuff like that. But that's like, that's really getting down the rat hole. Like, you know, um, no, I love that. And so just hearing that and then looking at the work that Edgar Allen has done, I mean, you've worked with some elite level clients and I know that, that there, there's just something about, the right project and the right story to tell 
Um, so I guess I have two questions here. Okay. The first is um, for people listening, how do you go about getting a client that has the story you want, like that good story that you want to tell? Like, what is it? What does it look like landing that client? Well, we'll just start there. I've got another question totally after sure. that too. I think different. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Um, most clients come to us uh, with something that's broken. So they actually don't have a good story and they don't know what it is. And, um, and it's all messed up. Um, and I think what I try to encourage the team to think about is to say like, that's good. That's where our job starts. Right. Um, and that, uh, the other thing is, is like trying to think about ourselves more as editors than writers. Right. So Stephen King would say, uh, to write is, is human to edit is divine. And so really it's a process of re- reduction rather than addition. Um, and that's, that's what we, what we try to look at. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I, we have pitched on some big work. We have, um, what I would say is like hit above our, our kind of our whatever belt or whatever the boxing analogy is. Um, and I think one of the, one of the ways that we've been able to do that is just like, I think you have to be resilient when you're pitching. Um, I can't tell you how many pitches I've lost uh, and I can't tell you how many pitches I've lost when I really needed to win them. Um, and I feel like it's the ability to turn back around and approach that next um, opportunity assignment with as much like, I mean, I, I will put in probably somewhere between like 50 to a hundred hours uh, on like a big, big pitch. Um, now, now we've refined a lot of that process, but, you know, definitely coming up, it was not uncommon to, you know, have a lot of that time that was, that was put into it. Um, you know, and, and it's really tough when you don't win those. Um, and so I think being able to commiserate, uh, you know, being able to get feedback, uh, you know, finding people you can talk with. I mean, it's been great just like, you know, talking with Matt and, you know, talking with other, other people that are within the agency space. Um, because what's unfortunate with the RFP process is they send it out to six people. And so you have like a one in six chance at best. Right. And chances are that they've got, you know, a cousin's brother, or uncle, who's already kind of like in there. Um, so that, that's, that's one of them. I, I want to touch on something that you said here. I really resonated with me. Um, which is there are two things that really spoke to me. One is the editing. Cause I, I just totally believe that's true. I think it's the hardest skill to learn is to learn how to edit yourself or edit your work. Um, and, and to keep taking away until it's, it's there. So I, I, that really hit home. But for me too, I think here's what I hear from folks like you on a regular basis that I think that, I don't know, it kind of gets overlooked in like the talk about the tools or the talk about the environment is there's no shortcut for doing the work, like 50 yeah. to a hundred hours on each pitch. That's, that's incredible. I, I love that. I love that approach. And, and I, I, it's nice to see like behind, behind the, the curtains of, about what that looks like. What's, what is, I know Matt's got a question, so I don't want to steal time, but like, yeah. what's, what does that process look like for you when you're prepping for a pitch? Like, what do you look at and say, that's important to me. Yeah. Um, every, every pitch is a little bit different and I feel like an agency is at its best when it's putting together a pitch. Like that's really where you have to dig deep. Um, at my last agency. So I, again, kind of came up doing flash design and development. And then all of a sudden I jumped, like the pitches were sort of going around the agency and I just started like jumping in on them. And I feel like that's a, that's something that a lot of people don't think that they should just like get in there and start putting out ideas. Um, but I, I basically went from just like the person that was, you know, in a cubicle somewhere, just cranking out flash work to like, I just like worked a really long weekend and then brought like the pitch deck for at the time it was New York life. So, you know, uh, life insurance, nothing like that to get in excited, but, um, but it was a $2 million pitch and they ended up buying my idea and they ended up like, you know, like I, I, I remember, you know, in three weeks before that, I was just sort of like cranking away and trying to figure out action script. And then from there I was in a horseshoe shaped room with like a bunch of really old white guys that were like staring at me in New York and, and, and trying to convince them on like why we should build something. Um, 
So I think that if you're, if you're at, you know, you, if you're at an agency, go and find those opportunities. And something that, that I look at is like what has been asked and what hasn't been thought of yet and go through and just find those opportunities to be able to do that thing that hasn't been thought of yet. Um, throw out that idea. Chances are it's not going to land. Um, but you, you also might be able to, uh, again, the blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Right. And so, um, be around. So, so I just started like throwing myself into, into pitches, uh, when I was at Razorfish, uh, which was the agency before, um, for my last agency. And, and like, I learned the vocabulary and I learned like what, like how, how that, that language, cause it is a language. Um, and so it is a foreign language at first, just like, you know, flash is a foreign language. And then from there you, you can start to, to develop your own vocabulary. So that's maybe a, a like a, a, a winding way of saying that, but, um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of, um, you know, how, how I started with pitching. I love that. Um, on a, a similar note, and this is something that I actually planned on bringing up in our next one-on-one call. Uh, so I'd be interested in talking to you about it just publicly. Cause I feel like sure. a lot of people would just like very much value it. Like at 80, 20, one thing we were exploring this week is, um, the value in doing, uh, paid discovery sessions. Mm-hmm. And so like, at what point do you say, Hey, I'm not going to spend so much time on the pitch. And like, yeah. my ideas are valuable because Edgar Allen's quality of work is like so spectacular and stellar. Um, and it's like, Hey, if you want to, if you're serious about this engagement, uh, then like, let's do a discovery session versus saying, Hey, we got an RFP. Like just, just this morning I was on a call yeah. and like, I got an RFP and I had two other agencies that got the RFP asked me if I got it as well. Yep. And so it's like the RFP process is like, okay, cool. Like we're all just like bidding on it. Yep. Uh, so at what point do you say like, I don't know if you've ever read win without pitching uh, the, the Blair yeah. book. Yeah. Like what are your thoughts on that? Cause I'm personally very torn. I don't, I don't know whether the, we can make that happen. And so I'm curious whether Edgar Allen could make that like what would ever do a paid discovery session. Absolutely. And, and we, and we have, um, and I think the question is like, how hungry are you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's probably like the biggest thing that I, you know, when, when I was first starting out, um, there was, there was a lot of work to be done just to, you know, get everything going. Um, you know, now I've, now actually, I feel like after eight years, we kind of have, like, we know what we do, we know what we're really good at. Um, and, right now I can put together like a really good response, uh, within, you know, a few hours as opposed to, to, to like a multiple of that. Um, so it, it's, it's, it, it's just, it's dependent upon like, you know, where are you within your work? Can you engage within a page discovery, uh, and go from there? But yeah, the RFP process is horrible. It is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it, sometimes we just avoid them altogether. It's like, all right, yeah. Hey, like best of luck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in the, the business of, uh, competing on price. So, yeah. Yeah. Actually what I've um, been doing. So a recent book that I've been reading is, um, never split the difference. I love that book. Oh and, my God. I love Chris. Vaughan. Good book. Yeah. yeah. And so what I'm recently trying to do is get to know faster. Um, so just be like, and I'm actually like, I'll, I'll do, um, back of the nap, what I call back of the napkin pricing, um, right on the call, just so I can be like, Hey, it's a 10 week project. We're looking at probably this is our runway per run rate, run rate per week. Um, are we a fit? Um, and if we're not, then it's like, great. And then I'll start to go and, and then make referrals. And that's something like something I'm doing, like a lot of, um, and I actually been experimenting with like even pushing our referrals out onto Twitter. I saw that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Cause like there's some stuff where it's, again, if it was us, uh, five years ago, then like, it would have been a great project, but now it's like, you know, we have, you know, like healthcare 401k, uh, okay. a team that's fully in Atlanta. So, so it's like, you know, we're, uh, we, we have real considerations and it's like, how do you, how do you protect that team and how do you protect kind of like everyone's time? Right. Yeah. For sure. And I think like on that note, it's like, it's, I think getting to know faster is a much better use of everyone's time. Yeah. Like we were on a call recently and this was my mistake. It was a referral. So I wanted to make it like, yeah. you know, I wanted to like make sure that we were doing like a, a good service to the person who was referred to us um, and make sure that relationship was strong. And like, we got to numbers like two calls later 
and like a lot of like out man hours and researching. And we were off by like a very large multitude in terms of what it would actually cost and what the client had. Uh, and so, and I've, I've, this is like a weird anecdote, but like I've learned that in some, some projects, like people will be like, I don't have a budget. And then you're just like, okay, here's the number. And they're like, Oh, I actually do have a budget and it's this amount. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Like we could have just been like upfront about that in yeah. the beginning. So, yeah. And I think it's an, it's a disservice that a lot of agencies have done and kind of like hiding, um, hiding those numbers. Uh, yeah. and if there's something that like, like something I really love is, uh, like how FinSuite has their pricing, like right on the page. Yeah, for that's, sure. that's, that's, uh, it's very upfront. Um, and we've experimented with that. I think one of the challenges that we've had is in the past is what I would say is we're in the messy middle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we bid on like, Webflow projects. And then we also bid on like enterprise level projects in which it's, you know, like we're going up against Sapient or Huge or, or whatever. And right. so um, that's been more difficult. This year, it's actually been the, so within COVID, um, the, the, our business has like totally flipped uh, where like all of a sudden there's definitely been an inflection point within Webflow. Um, and we've seen like smaller like project engagements, but like a higher volume of them. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's different. So on that note of like during COVID, I know one of the things that we talked about in our previous one-on-one was like, you went from being in an office to just like, ah, we don't actually need this anymore to be like successful and do great work. Can you talk through like how going fully remote has affected the the team in like, uh, because the team you have, like you said, is all in Atlanta. And so like, is there a big like mood shift or is it like, are people performing better? Are people happier? Like, what's that like? Yeah. I think everyone misses seeing each other. Um, and like COVID is, was not, uh, like a remote work situation that was like remote work in uh, a global pandemic. So, yeah, it right, a, right. so it wasn't like you could just like go to a coffee shop. Um, and I think if we, it, it wasn't, um, it actually wasn't a big transition for us because we had a lot of good like project fundamentals in place. Um, and the other thing that I would say that I'm really excited about is like, you know, I, I talked about like, so getting started, like I definitely put in like long hours and it was a lot of work, but, um, we very much, uh, just try to like work sane hours, just like nine to five. We don't work nights and weekends. Uh, I'm a big runner. So I believe in pace and I believe in just like making, like we, we plan out our work uh, a month or two in advance. And like, if there's something that's coming up, then we address it. But that's probably, you know, good project fundamentals, good communication. The thing that I, that I keeps me up at night is, is not communication, it's connection. And so I'm thinking less about like office culture and more about like office community. Um, so as how is it that we can go through and just drive like that connection and that community and make sure that we, you know, still feel um, like, like as a group. Um, so, yeah. But, but yeah, like we're, you know, we, we now we have uh, someone that's full-time in Utah now. Uh, oh, nice. A, a member that's in, uh, that's going back and forth between Atlanta and, uh, and Austin. So, you know, he loves Texas and I think Texas is a great state. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the, but, but I think like Atlanta, you know, Atlanta is a hub and I think there's something to be said for being able to get together or being able to like come together within that hub. Yeah, that's great. So, Flipping the script a little bit, we've talked a lot about agency life. Yep. Um, you did mention your Webflow Enterprise Partner. So let's like dive into that, double click into that a little bit. You know, yep. what does that look like for you? And and what are the no-code tools that Edgar Allen absolutely loves and leans on? Sure. Yeah, no. Um it's it, it's great to be able to work with Webflow as like they're developing out their kind of product roadmap and then thinking about how we can help them scale that into bigger businesses. Because I feel like if there's anything that's going on right now, it's sort of the con of big content management systems. Uh, You know, Adobe Experience Manager is kind of like the bane of my existence. And I feel like that is sold as like, 
you know, over a really nice steak dinner in Las Vegas and you come back and you've gotten a tattoo and an enterprise license, right? And so you're like, how did this happen? And, you know, and, 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 and there's so much money, I mean, millions and millions of dollars that are wasted on like bad authoring and that's like impacting like bad customer experiences. And so there's, there's so much work to be done within that space. And if there's anything that we're trying to do is like help to bridge that gap between, you know, what we're seeing within our, within our bigger clients that we're working with, how they're thinking about authoring, because um, their needs are, are not like totally different. I think that it's just probably, you know, it's like, how does it start to scale? Um, and something that we talk a lot about is like, it's, and I think even Max Joles had, had, uh, mentioned something like, it's really easy to build a web flow site. It's really hard to build a web flow site that other people can build inside of. Um, so we've, um, we've been looking at that a lot. We, we, we wrote a course a couple years ago called Webflow for Teams, which was our first kind of take at a, um, a systems-based approach, sort of an atomic approach. We're getting ready to release our second version of that. Um, and it's more than just like, you know, having, you know, utility classes. It's like, how do you think about that? How are you, how does that start to impact the design? Because that's something that I think hasn't probably been talked about. I think we could have like a whole conversation around like how these systems impact design. We, we took a spin through um, uh, System Flow as well as Hatch recently, both really good systems. Um, don't work for like necessarily how we think about design. Um, like for example, uh, you know, so we work on a 14 column grid, uh, which is different. And, but that 14 column grid allows us to go in and, and take the two outer columns and have that as our gutter. And so now we have a 12 column grid. Um, but then we're using that 14 columns, the uh, each uh, vertical column as our horizontal spacing. And so that allows us for the page to kind of scale dynamically. But what that means is, is that we need to be able to take that and put it in Figma. And we need to make sure that our designers are kind of working and designing from that grid. And then the same thing as it relates to um, type sizes, right? So there's this whole thing around like, oh, everything should be on like eight, you know, eight and it should be in like M's and whatever. But like, like unless there's like- Limitless line heights. Yeah, I know. I know. So I'm, I'm butchering like some of that, but, but the fundamentals is like, unless there's connection between those two worlds, unless there has been like a really good consideration for what that's going to be like, you're going to be banging your head on against the keyboard and like, it's not going to work. Um, for us, uh, you know, our tools, like we're a real, like just bread and butter Webflow agency. Like we actually don't work in a lot of other no code tools. Um, you know, I've started to experiment with ClickUp. Um, I, there's things that I both like and then things that I'm like, I don't know, but it's better than like, so we've been working in Rike. So that's what we use for project management. And that's like a really good serious tool. But the team, it, like, I don't find their team very engaged on Twitter. And so that's kind of like a like a, a bad thing for me. So I feel like they don't listen to their customers as much. They were also just purchased by Cisco. And, like, I don't like Cisco. So I'm like, this isn't going to go anywhere good. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, um, yeah. And then otherwise, like, you know, Airtable, um, we you know, love JetBoost, love what Chris is building over there. Um, yeah, like... That, you know, that's probably, I work in Apple numbers most of the time. Um, but really? uh, yeah, I, I love being able to turn the type in a, in a, in a good table. So but that's just super nerdy. I would just like to say as a big F you to Ben that I introduced uh, Mason to Jake and Jake introduced ClickUp to Mason and they did a whole event together uh, where they talked about ClickUp. Ben hates ClickUp with all of his... Oh, I know. I, I heard last time. I heard oh, last time. Oh, man. Yeah, he hates yeah. it. So I'm getting more and more people onto ClickUp, Ben, whether you like it or not. Listen, oh. I, I think I've said this before. I don't have to live the tool. For me, it's like what helps people get things done, right? Like yeah. that's like the, at the bottom line. And I'll say this, like, you know what, there's some stuff where I wish I could just turn up the contrast a little bit on ClickUp. Uh, it's a little too gray. And then the Gantt chart, like, I feel like there's a company out there that could just go and create like stellar Gantt charts that you could use like in other products. Cause like no one like right million dollar idea, million dollar idea, three million dollar idea. And I've actually like, I've, I've talked about that with Jared. I was like, we just need to start like as part of Marina, which we can get into. Uh, we also need to go and sell a Gantt chart product where you can go and take like all these fancy, like no code tools, be able to pump that in there and then be able to have a roadmap and stuff like that you can work with. A thousand percent. I think trying to find 
trying to find a tool that does project management in a in a proper Gantt chart yeah. is because no one does it as good as Microsoft Excel. I said that in the yeah. last episode. It's and it's so true. It's like I mean, how like, is this so hard to beat? Like, like, is it that hard to have dependencies? I'm like, click up. Like, you don't have dependencies. Like, like actual. De- I'm sorry. They dependencies. have dependencies. Oh, dependencies. Click up does, does have dependencies. But, but you quote unquote dependencies. Then you, yeah, it's so you can't you can't see it in a table row. How about that? So that's the whole thing. Like, I okay. Need to All right, that's row. fair. That's um, fair. So yeah, yeah, totally. So you mentioned Marina. Um, and so this is, this is a, like, a, a, a tool to create better, uh, estimates and contracts. Talk a little bit about that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marina is an application that we're building to help, uh, you know, agencies, what I'd say is micro agencies be able to create better, um, estimates and contracts. And when I was coming up and getting going, those creating those estimates and contracts was really the hardest thing that I had to be able to, to figure out. I'd been around good project managers. I'd been around good account people, but I had never put one together myself. And I, and in fact, like there's all of these templates out there. I mean, there's so much that you can learn and there's this like dark art of the business world and this dark art of like all of the stuff that sort of goes, goes into that. Um, there's a couple companies out there that are starting to do this and i think it's they're they're what i'd say is like a good start like hello bonsai is good and then and co is another good one um what i see is that that's really great for the as you're freelancing and things along those lines um as you start to kind of level up and again like this is what no code allows you to do is like you know our tools are growing exponentially but our business acumen only grows incrementally and so what this does is it creates this opportunity gap And so what we want to be able to do is address that opportunity gap where, you know, we can take the experience that we've had running the agency over the last eight years and then be able to apply that into uh, into this tool. Um, So it's, you know, drag and drop. um, It's declarative. uh, It has a we're thinking about it in terms of project design so that you can go through and the things you would put together within the estimate can kind of pull through uh, into the contract. The other kind of unfair advantage that we've had as an agency is like we have in-house counsel uh, in that. I'm married to a lawyer. So, uh, you know, she's able to like catch all of the dumb stuff. Literally in-house. Literally in-house. Yeah. Um, So she's able to catch all the dumb stuff that I put into contracts and yeah, excuse me. And so, um, so yeah, uh, I I think more people, like if we're going to talk about the democratization of the web and we're going to rebuild how we're building the web, I think we need to also talk about how we're going to rebuild how we're billing for the web. Um, so that that's really our mission. I love that a lot. I love it. So we've kept you for a long time, almost an hour long interview. Um, what if like if someone here is listening and they're eager to start their own agency, their own freelance co- career, um, and they've kind of found this no code space? What what's the advice you're giving them? Like how, like what's the what's the best thing you could give to them as they kind of get started? Sure. Um, so I, I studied English and philosophy. I don't have a design degree. I taught, I'm self-taught around, you know, design and development. Um, and uh, I, I just started making things. I would also say that the you don't have to just freelance and you don't have to start your own agency. In fact, like running an agency is kind of miserable. Like I love it, but I also love running like ultra marathons and stuff. And like, I love running in the rain. So uh, the, the, like, there are ways I think, you know, embrace being able to work with other people and embrace learning sort of the business side of things. And then I think once you become comfortable, then you can start to branch off. Um, if that's something that you decide you want to do, uh, for, for me, it's like, if you want to get like peel back the layers of what it means to run an agency, it's like, I don't do any design. I work in spreadsheets. I answer email and like I I work with contracts and stuff along those lines. Um, But I love the design of design and and within the design of design, it's like, how can I go through and find an amazing group of people that I totally admire and get to just like do things so that they get to do what, what they love. And I think if that's your driver, then like, and if you love sales and if you love being able to put that together, then, then, then go for it. Um, but also like, there's a lot to be said for learning the craft, apprenticing with someone else, find someone that's, uh, you know, that's kind of further along in their career and like how you can start to go in and kind of draft, um, alongside them. Uh, and then from there being able to look to how you can ladder up. 
entrepreneurship is very overrated. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, it's great. It's just, and I, and I think like, again, because there's so many, like it's so do it yourself. And I think it's a real ethos within self-serve is a real ethos within, within Webflow and within kind of the no code community. But there's also something to be said for like, you know, work alongside with someone, go and, you know, let them take those bruises, uh, let them take like that headwind. Uh, and then from there, you can kind of like, you know, ladder out. And I mean, I worked in an agency for uh, close to 10 years before I, I broke out and, and, and started my own. So. Uh, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you for coming on and being a part of the show. We oh, this really, so really fun. appreciate this is, it. This is like, this is amazing. And, and I, uh, I always love listening to the show and um, you guys have like the roundup last time. Like I just, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Like I, I was just uh, blown away by everything that you put together and um, just uh, all, all the care and craft. And so, yeah. And it's great to be able to see you guys on, on like, on zoom. Cause I've seen you guys on Twitter, uh, you know, which is funny, but, but yeah. yeah, it's great to see, great to see everyone. And the other thing I would say is, um, so I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. So I'm, it's like Kendra and I are basically the, the people behind the Edgar Allen Twitter account. I'm behind the, you know, the, the Marina account. Um, you know, if you have an idea, have a question, you know, find us, find me there. Um, I'm incredibly At Edgar Allen co. At uh, Edgar Allan Poe, yeah, yeah. We'll put it all in the uh, link in the, link show, in the notes. show notes. Of yeah. course, link in yes. the show notes. Oh, that's how you know Mason listens. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah, I love the domain. I was actually, I was like, I was, I was running, and I was like, man, that'd be a really good domain. I was like, and it was like the next thing. You're like, and you won't believe this. Someone actually registered, and I was like, oh man, wasn't that Parker? Like, it was Parker. Was Parker. I'm glad to Parker. Parker today on this episode. So. Uh, uh yeah mason i mean it's such a pleasure having you on literally i'll send you i'll text you uh the screenshot of our slack we all were like mason is the greatest dude ever yes oh, oh thank uh, you i mean this is this is super fun and uh, again like there's uh so much great stuff that's happening out there in the community i mean like you guys are a big part of that um i i hope that we're adding something um and i think that you know to your to your question around what we started talking with um the first wave of no code was really around like like designers and developers. And I feel like the, the next wave and really what we're pushing into is like the next wave of no code really should be around writers and authors. And so we're trying yeah. to go in and kind of like promote this thing that content design is a thing. Uh, most writers feel like they can only write within a, within a Google doc and like, that's all the control that they have. And I think that's, that's a, that's a misnomer. Like you can go in and take control of this web layer. Like you, you know, you really can go and author this. If you can work in Excel, I'm sorry, if you can work in PowerPoint, like you can go and author through for the web. Um, and I think once more people become more comfortable with that, then like, yeah, like as, as designers, builders, like we can go and help build those tools, but like the people that we should be celebrating is like who has really great ideas to share. I love it. In fact, here's what I'd love to do. We need to just bring you back on again to just talk about writing and story because I could talk about that for hours. I, I would so, love to. Yeah, and I'd love to bring uh, Kendra on who leads content. Yes, let's do it. She's, she's just brilliant. She's um, kind of like just tiptoeing out into out into Twitter and, and, and I'm like, no, like you are a content designer. Like you, you have so much to say here. Um, and I feel like as writers, like they've, they're like, but I'm not a designer. I'm like, no, you are a designer. Like you have an impact on the customer experience. That is what customers are there for. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll plan on it. We'll plan yeah, on that, it. That's great. Um, yeah. We're going to sign off here. Don't leave the zoom yet, but everybody listening, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to visualdev.fm. You can find us on your favorite social media platform at visualdev.fm. 